0: to giving financially, please visit our website, SenecaBaptist.org. Thank you and enjoy. Yesterday, uh, we had the privilege, Christopher and I did. Where Christopher and I did, and uh, uh, of doing a funeral uh, for Miss Carolyn Cochran. We've had two funerals this week of ladies who had hit the hundred-year mark, uh, and so two one-hundred-year-old ladies. Uh, and Christopher, we, we did this at the um, the chapel at Oconee Memorial Park, uh, and Christopher sang, and and um, when he sang the Lord's Prayer yesterday. Um, man, I, I thought I thought the dead in Christ were about to rise right there. Like I, I thought it was. I thought Jesus was coming, and so I'm thankful for that guy and his voice and his heart and and uh, mm, good work, good work. So Jeremiah chapter one. If you don't have a Bible with you, please grab the hardback black one in the pew rack in front of you and uh, and and please open it up now. And as as you're turning there to Jeremiah chapter one just a couple things. We, we have uh, had an incredible class so far. Um, 10 to 13 people in our new member orientation class uh, have been uh, seeing what Seneca Baptist is all about. And uh, gosh, I'm thankful uh, for those that God is bringing to Seneca Baptist Church, and you might be a guest today with us, and, and we just want to say thank you. And let and, and me add on to what Jackson said. Um, if you have not already filled out one of those cards, um, fill it out, uh, in, and after the service, you can do one of two things. If you're an introvert, you can drop it in the offering box and prayer box right there on the way out. And if you're an extrovert, uh, please drop it off at the Welcome Center. But if you're an extrovert, that means people are going to talk to you there. Uh, we love you, we just don't want to scare you away, okay? So, Please do that. Um, we would love to have that. Also, you can put prayer requests on there and such. Um, and I just want to mention uh, one more exciting thing uh, that we get to be a part of, something kingdom-minded. Uh, next Sunday night, the 29th, next Sunday evening, um, there's a, a small church up in Wahalla named Faith Baptist. Uh, Now, it's an independent Baptist church, but we love them. They are good folk, and uh, they do not have a baptistry. They do not have a baptistry, and in fact, we do. And so they had a a few people, a couple people, come to faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, I know their pastor, and their pastor said, Ryan, would it be okay if we used your baptistry? And I said, yes, it would. So next Sunday at 5 o'clock they're going to be baptizing, and they're just going to have their service, their Sunday evening service right here. And so, we might shift our how to study the Bible back 30 minutes so that we can come and join them and celebrate that God has rescued and redeemed two people. And so, that's kingdom. That's kingdom. Is that going to benefit our church? No, but it grows the kingdom. And that's what it's all about. So, I want to encourage you to come and join us for that, and and you might not normally be a Sunday night church goer uh, or or even evening church goer, but make make it a point to go to that. On on this day, I, it could be the twenty third, but on this day, fifty years ago in nineteen seventy three, a a great tragedy occurred: uh, abortion on demand was legalized in our nation and since that time over 63 million children have been killed in the mother's womb and I just need you to be aware those are the ones that we know about And, and again, I, I just want to remind you, if you're listening today, whether it's in person here, somebody's listening on Facebook, we are we want to be like Jesus, who was full of grace, but he was also full of truth. And so we hope you hear both of those things today. Uh, abortion is a theological truth or actually a rebellion against what is theologically true. It is a rebellion against God's heart and the truth of his word. And, and I just want to run through some of what happens inside the mother's womb uh, coming to uh, birth, okay, from conception to birth. And, and, and I, can I just, I tell you, I love it when this happens, but a lot of times we, we say we got to follow the science, We've got to follow the science, and that, you know, that's you that been a big buzzword over the past few years. I just want to encourage you that, that science has always been catching up with the Bible. The Bible has never caught up to science. The Bible has never adapted. The Bible has never grown. But rather, in fact, people say, well, life now does begin at conception. And we're like, duh, right? Because the Bible has been saying that Forever. It's agreeing with God's Word. So, weeks one to three inside a mother's womb, immediately upon conception, much begins to happen inside a mother's womb. Chromosomes from mom and dad um, begin to form a brand new person, a new DNA structure that has never existed before, never existed before. It's completely other than mom and dad. The new DNA will decide uh, the baby's gender, the blood type, hair color, eye color, and even begin to form personalities. And that happens inside the womb, weeks one to three. Week four, life can be distinguished on an ultrasound. Week four. As early as week four, life can be distinguished on an ultrasound. And it's about the size of a grain of rice. This, this child, within the mother's womb, a grain of rice. Week five, brain uh, and spinal cord are forming. Heart is forming. Arms and legs are forming. Week five. Week six, heartbeat. Heartbeat, and, and typically that's why uh, they re- tried really hard to pass the heartbeat bill in the state of South Carolina, which I'm not sure if you know has been uh, shut down. Heartbeat, week six. Lungs begin to form. Digestive system. Eyes with eyelids at week six. Every Week seven, every other organ begins to form. Week eight, noticeable face, facial features. At week eight, I had a nose like this. Ears, eyes, lips. Week nine, reproductive organs revealing the gender. Week 11, fingernails, little fingernails, irises in the eyes. Week 14, unique fingerprints, one-of-a-kind fingerprints at week 14. Week 15, sucking thumbs, making fists, trying different facial expressions. Isn't that an incredible thought at week 15? that they are able to do those things that children within the womb can do that stuff week as early as week 16 the baby can hear you and even respond to different sounds and recognize your voice should be no surprise that when john the baptist was inside his mother's womb he leapt for joy at the voice of mary now all this information was taken from a secular website. And it's interesting that what determines if a baby is a baby or a fetus is a desire in our country. Women who want to have children, families who want to be made families, who want to have another one, Oh, they're they're overjoyed at conception. They're overjoyed at the first signs of morning sickness. They're overjoyed at, at life beginning inside of them. And it's a baby from its early inception. But for the one who does not desire, one who does not feel like having a child, it's not a child. In fact, it's a fetus, it's not living. Isn't that interesting? how simple desire or feeling can dictate what we do with theological truth. And that's why, church family, that theological truth must uh, move our feelings and our emotions. They must guide our desires, not the other way around. All this information taken from a scientific website, and and we realize that science, in fact, agrees with the truth of Scripture. Psalm 139, one of the most famous passages uh, about the sanctity of human life, says this, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Listen to that formed my inward parts, knitted me together in my mother's womb. And then it goes on to say, my frame, next verse in 15, my frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes, God's eyes saw your unformed substance in your book, God's book, were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, as yet there was none of them. One of the most famous passages. Now, as we talk about the sanctity of human life, it has become really, truly an issue about abortion. But it's so much bigger than abortion. It means that life matters. Uh, As I heard one one, uh, person, one preacher say, life matters from the womb to the tomb. And so, This is is why the New Testament would say, care for orphans and widows. Why? Because life matters. It doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. Your life matters to God. You have been created in His image on purpose for a purpose. So the, the widow, we talk about euthanasia now in our country, and I think that's one of the next big things coming our way, Because it's already in other parts of the world. We talk about euthanasia and we we can't stand with euthanasia. Why? Because they were created in God's image. That they still have design and purpose. And just as the baby was made uh, by the hands of God, intricately woven, so also was the aged person. So let me come back to my 16 weeks that I just traveled with you through the, the the transformation of what's happening inside a womb. And all of those things are happening during the time when it's entirely legal in the state of South Carolina to have an abortion. You don't believe there's that's a big problem right now? I want you to go to Greenville. And by God's grace, in Greenville there's something called the Piedmont Women's Center. But it sits right across the street from... The abortion clinic on purpose to provide options. Last June, last June, just past June in 2022, Roe was overturned and the right to establish laws was sent back to the states. And some states, like Texas, have altogether banned abortions. And in, in June, in Texas, there were 2,600 abortions in Texas alone, in June. But in August, the state of Texas reported three abortions and claimed that they were all medically necessary. So I want you to understand that even though South Carolina did not have the backbone and the courage to do what was right, there have been some states that did. And, and in those states that did, they went from 2,600 to three, and that should be a hoorah celebration. 2,600 Children will live. That's an incredible thought. So between June and August, abortions uh, abortions nationwide dropped 6%. And we need to celebrate that. The work is not done, but that is celebratory. 6%. That means that about 60,000 abortions didn't happen that have been. 60,000. Isn't that an incredible thought? Here's why it's an incredible thought, and let's get into the Bible. Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. Because in the womb, in the womb, we are, and I want to give you four things. Four things. Look at verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I did what? Knew you. So in the womb, point one, you were known by God, known by God. That is an incredible thought. I want to go back just for a moment to Psalm 139, and it says that you knew me very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, yet there was none of them. In other words, whether it's our physical frame or our personalities or the the gifting that God would give us at birth, all of those things were entirely known by God. And not just who we are going to be, but what God was going to do with us. It says that God had written down in his book all of our days. Isn't that an incredible thought? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says we are created we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words that before you were born truly even way before you were saved God planned out your life. God has a plan for you. And through birth and through salvation, we get to live out in fullness and in fruitfulness the life that He had planned for us from before we were born. Isn't that an incredible thought? That God isn't out there. God, some people believe that God is, is this distant cosmic being who created you and, like a child, spins a top on the earth and then steps back and sees what happens. That is not the picture of the God of the Bible. The picture of the God of the Bible is that God has created you and he knows you. He knows your inward parts. Can I just this this has nothing to do with abortion. But what are you going through today? He knows it very well. Are you struggling? Is there anxiety? Are there hurts? Is there unforgiveness? What is it in your life? Is there shame, guilt, condemnation? God knows it very well today. Why? Because He created you and He loves you. You are known by God. Now, that should blow our minds. Why? Because the omnipotent God of the universe, who created all things and upholds them by the word of His power, calls you by name and knows you. He is interested in you. And that's why the psalmist said, Your thoughts about me? How precious are your thoughts about me? What a thought. That God sits up in heaven and is thinking about you by name. Now that's a lot of use to be thinking about by name, but God is omnipotent. He can do that. Men, we can't think about more than one thing at a time. But God, has every one of his children on his mind simultaneously and you have his whole and complete undivided attention. Isn't that a thought? You are known by God in the womb. Second thing I want you to see, not only are you known by God, it goes on to say, and before you were born, I consecrated you. So you are consecrated for a purpose, consecrated for a purpose. And so now, we have kind of left this idea of simply talking about abortion. I'm getting to you. You, every living creature, every living being, human being, has been consecrated for a purpose. Now, that word consecrated means not necessarily to be holy, even though it comes from the same root word, but what it means is to be set apart for a purpose. And this is what he's saying to Jeremiah. He's saying, Jeremiah, before you were in the womb, I knew you and I consecrated you. I set you apart for a purpose. I had a purpose for your life, Jeremiah, and you don't want to miss out on it. So I just want to remind you that from within your mother's womb, before you were born, I consecrated you. And that's why in Galatians, uh, you don't have to turn there, but Galatians, Paul says the same thing. Let me see if my fingers will work quick enough. Galatians says, but When he who had set me apart before I was born, he consecrated Saul Paul for a purpose. He said, He who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his Son in me in order that I might preach Jesus among the Gentiles. From the very beginning of time, God had a purpose for Saul Paul. And it was that he would be set apart to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Jeremiah is the same story. God says, I knew you and I consecrated you. Then it goes on to say, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So, not only were you known by God, not only were you consecrated for a purpose, but you were appointed for a task. You were appointed. For a task. Now, it would be easy that all of us could say that I am one of God's uh, disciples, His children, and therefore, as a follower of Christ, I have a purpose. And what is my purpose? It is to, uh, to, to fulfill the Great Commission and to bring glory to God. Now, that sounds wonderful, except it gets very more specific for Jeremiah and even for uh, Paul. It's not just that we exist for the glory of God, which is true, and we do exist for the glory of God, but there is a specific task that God has appointed you for. You. You. That means that God has plans for you that nobody else on this planet can fulfill. You. Now, most of us don't think that way. Most of us don't think about God, that, uh, that God created me for a specific task and that task He's created me for that He didn't create this person to do. That you have a task that God has designed you to accomplish. That's a humbling thought, isn't it? That you have not been put here to simply make a living, to simply get a paycheck, to simply enjoy life, but there is a God-sized purpose on your life. There is a task that He has appointed for you to accomplish. Go back to Ephesians 2.10 where His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them which He prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He created you on purpose for a purpose. And I I just want to if if God created all the world in six days and on the seventh day He rested but yet He said I have appointed you for a task from before you were born how incredible is that task going to be? That God has has truly spent time thinking about you and how he has designed you and consecrated you for the appointed task at hand. You say, Ryan, I don't feel equipped for that. You're in good company today because let's listen to what Jeremiah says. Then I said, now, so now we're not talking about in the womb, okay? So Jeremiah is, has heard this. When you were in the womb, I knew you, consecrated you, and appointed you, okay? Then he says, whoa, God, behold, I don't know how to speak. A, a task, a purpose, you want me to be a prophet? <laughs> Prophets' jobs are to speak. I don't know what to say. Now, that might be how you feel. I hear you, Ryan, I hear you about the task thing, but I don't feel equipped, I don't feel adequate, I don't feel like I know what to do or how to do it, there's good news for you. Then I said, ah, Lord God, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth, verse 7, but the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a youth. In other words, don't you doubt what God has uh, 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 done in your life, don't doubt it. Because when you say, well, I can't do that, you're, you're truly questioning the very will and purpose of God for your life. Don't do that. He said, don't say that I'm just a youth. He, I've created you, fearfully and wonderfully made. Your inward parts and your outward parts, all of it, I've created it. He says, for, don't say I'm only a youth. For to all whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Don't worry, I'll give you what to say. Verse 8, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you. Verse 9, then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. I've put my words in your mouth. Let me let me just wrap wrap this part up for a second. It it is if we are known by God, if we are consecrated for a purpose and we are appointed a task, then God will equip us for what he has called us to do. So God will equip you for his call. You feel ill equipped? Good company. If you could do what you could do by your own strength, it would bring no glory to God. But God has designed you to be entirely, utterly dependent on Him for you to live out your calling and your purpose. I mean, just think about it. The Creator God of the universe, if you worked with all the powers that you could and spoke with the tongues of angels, but you did it in your own strength, Do you think God, the creator of the universe, would look down from heaven and say, wow, I'm impressed? No, but when you walk by the Spirit, when you live according to the calling, and you're dependent upon Him to equip you for what He's called you to do, gosh, God could use you in such a way that they're going to look and people are going to say, that's only God. Don't you remember the apostles? Acts chapter 4? They looked upon the apostles and they said, these are just common people. But they've been with Jesus. Same could be true about us. It didn't bring glory to Peter, James, or John, but it brought glory to God through Christ. Okay, so those are truths out of this text that all life from conception all the way to the end of natural life are valuable in God's eyes. They have been designed uniquely, known by God, uh, consecrated for a purpose and appointed for a task. And if you will walk with the Lord in humble obedience, He will equip you for what He's called you to do. Now, so we've talked about this idea of sanctity for human life. So how does the church respond? Three things, I think, and a fourth could come, but three things. Number one is we need to speak biblical truth in whatever realm you're in. Wherever you are, speak biblical truth, and don't be afraid of it. Now, let me remind of a verse that I kind of referenced a few minutes ago. If I speak with the tongue of men and angels yet have not love, I'm a what? A noisy gong clanging cymbal. Truth In in Jesus' economy, truth and grace and compassion and love always walk hand in hand. So don't be a jerk. I did just say jerk from a pulpit, okay? Yes. Miles is chuckling. I'll get in trouble for that when I get home. Don't be a jerk. Especially trying to do it in Jesus' name. But also don't compromise on what God's Word clearly states. Don't hem and haw. Don't waffle back and forth. Don't teeter totter. But stand on God's Word. Church family, it's time for us as the body of Christ. To stand firm and to speak God's word when it comes to these things. Speak God's truth wherever you are. If it comes up, humbly, lovingly disagree. And tell them why you disagree. And even tell them that science agrees with the scriptures. And do so in a loving, kind, compassionate way. Not a sense of condemnation. Your condemnation and my conviction will never save a sin-sick soul. But love, a message in love, God can use. Speak God's truth wherever you are. Secondly, provide help for the conflicted mother. And I'll give the third one. Provide care for the orphan. Okay, so second, provide help for the conflicted mother. Here's what I mean by that. For the church, for the church to say we, we stand against abortion, but that's as far as our stance goes, is unauthentic at best and hypocritical at worst. It's it's not authentic to the life that Jesus called us to. And it's hypocritical hypocritical at worst because we're willing to say that you can't do that, but we're not going to help you have another option. And there are mothers every day, families every day, who face a difficult decision, and the church has remained uh, generally silent. And shame on us. Can I just tell you, it 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 wasn't the government who formed the first orphanage in Rome. It was the church. It has always been God's church to take the lead caring for orphans and widows. And it's time for God's church to step up again. There are mothers who need godly women like you. Some of you who have made the right decision and some of you who might have made the wrong decision to step inside next to them and say, I will walk with you. I will support you. I will give to you financially. I will be your lifeline until you meet Jesus. I will help you, but I will not let you walk this road alone. Men, men, you want to know why some of these women are in the positions that they're in? It's because of men like us, who, apart from Christ transforming their heart, we tell them abort that thing. It'd be easier if that, that child or that fetus was gone. Men, there are young men out there who need godly discipleship. I can't remember the statistic, but there is a great increase of chance for a woman to choose life for the baby in her womb if there is a present father in the picture. I I can't remember the statistic, but it it is a huge jump, an exponential jump. And we've got to be stepping in there with men, young men before they make silly decisions. And even after men make these decisions, we've got to be courageous enough to step inside and say, hey, we'd like to walk along with you. I know it's going to be messy. I know it's going to be hard, but I'm going to love you enough to, to help you and tell you some difficult things. And we we partner with an organization here at Seneca Baptist called Foothills Care Center. And Foothills Care Center was formerly known as the Crisis Pregnancy Center in Oconee County. And, And they are a great organization that provides resources for families in difficult times as they're trying to make a decision for life. And we have an opportunity to step alongside Foothills Care Center so that they, through a lot of their expertise, can help change the life of a family and specifically save the life of the unborn. And just FYI, we have the privilege this year of hosting their benefit, their banquet. It's not a dinner banquet this year, but we have the privilege on March the 9th of hosting their banquet right here at Seneca Baptist, and we hope to fill this place up with people who care for the life of the unborn. You don't, you don't know how to get plugged in, I promise. If you come that night, March the 9th, there will be a, a, a myriad of ways that you can get plugged in. Second or third point we have to begin to provide care for the orphan we have to provide care for the orphan some of you are going ryan do you know how old i am what am i supposed to do to care for the orphan i don't know if you know you know this but the foster system in south carolina is horribly broken horribly broken There are oconey children I was the chaplain of the foster care system, or one of the chaplains for the foster care system in Oconee County for about a year. And and there are children in Oconee County, that Oconee County does not have enough foster families right here to provide the needs for the children uh, uh, in foster care. And so there are uh, children from Oconee County who are being placed with families in Myrtle Beach for foster care. And so if I am a caseworker and I need to do a family visit and the family's right here in Oconee County, I've got to drive down to Myrtle Beach, pick up a child, drive back to Oconee County for a 30-minute to one-hour visit with their family, drive that child back to Myrtle Beach, and then drive back here, and I have to do it in a day. And I have to do it on my own dime. They'll give you a car, but all the other stuff's on you. Um, these, these, uh, this, this organization, these workers are, are dropping like flies because it's so hard. So there are things that we can do as a church. Things that we can do as a church. You don't have to foster a child To help with foster fostering children, there's an organization called Fostering Faithfully, and Fostering Faithfully, a great Christian organization that provides uh, meals for foster families, respite care for foster families, and then will train you to be a foster family in Oconee County. Respite care means that a foster family has a big job to do, and they will they will say you can say I'll be a respite worker. And that means a family can say, we need a weekend. We just need a break. And so, will you be our respite worker for the weekend? Adoption. Adoption. Did you know that that when we're saved, we're immediately adopted into the family of God? I I heard a a modern-day theologian say one of the most... Uh, Christ-like things we can do is to participate in adoption. You might be going, I feel like Abraham and Sarah, you know what I mean? Past the prime. We've got families right here in our church considering adoption. Adoption's not inexpensive. But there are things we can do to support these the, these children that are born, and these mothers that need help, families that need help, and there's a truth to be spoken and held to. But we can't just speak with our words. It's time for the church to rise to action. I'm going to end with this story because y'all are ready to go home. Um, there was a church in in Birmingham named Brook Hills, and the pastor of Brook Hills um, reached out to the uh, department of social services in Birmingham and said what's the need I mean this church is a big church big church five ten thousand people what's the need how many foster families do you need right here in Birmingham to take care of every one of the foster children And they gave him the number hundreds and this pastor on a day like today stood up and he before his congregation he said church family We can meet this need in Jesus' name. And, And within a couple months, every child in foster care in Birmingham, Alabama, had a Christian family to live with who was loving them and pointing them to Jesus. So much so that the Department of Social Services would get phone calls and they'd go, we got no children. All because a church took seriously the commandment of James, the brother of Jesus, who said, you want to know what true and undefiled religion is? To care for orphans and widows. What What can you do? Number one is you can pray. Number two, you can advocate when you vote. That's a part of it, but number three, you can find ways to plug into organizations that are already on the front lines working hard. And if you'd like to know any more about that, there are three of us right here at Seneca Baptist Church who serve on the board of directors for the Foothills Care Center. I'm one of them. And I would love to help you know what to do. There are a couple families right here that work with fostering faithfully on a regular basis. And if you want to know what you might be able to do, I'll point you to those families. But I just want to challenge you, church family, to stop and pray and say, okay, God, I want to take seriously this idea of sanctity of human life. So how can I care for people from the womb to the tomb? We've got sweet Sweet senior saints that need to be cared for. And, and that's just a, another way that we can love God and His Word. Be faithful to Him. And, and if you are, you're out there today and you need Jesus, you, you've got a past. I want to just tell you that, that, that what Jesus did on the cross for forgiveness is far greater than the condemnation that you currently are experiencing. He, he can't take your past away, but He can sure redeem it. And so maybe you need to meet Jesus today. if You're a man or a woman who has been a part of that decision. Well, we want you to experience grace today. Pastor Jackson is going to be here um, available. Pastor Joe, Pastor Steve, uh, we've got Pastor Ken, lots of pastors here to pray meet with you, counsel with you. And we'd love to do that. But let's stand together and pray and respond inwardly and outwardly to what God's called us to do. Pray with me. Father, there are some in this room who need salvation. They've never been saved. They've, they've been a part of a church. They've Never become a part of your family. They're walking around carrying their past around, the baggage of their past, and Father, it's time that they give that to you. They bring their sin and their shame and their condemnation and they, they transfer that to you and you will, by your grace, transfer to them forgiveness, righteousness, and new life. So, Father, would you do that? And God, I, I pray that you would work mightily, that these people would experience your grace. Father, I, I pray that there are some in this room today who have gotten saved, but they need to take the next step uh, of, of believer's baptism. They've never done that. So, Father, work in their hearts. Father, for us, we might have Jesus but we don't know what to do when it comes to this sanctity of human life sunday father i just pray that we would step into the fray into the mess and we would begin to fight in whatever way whether it's on our knees or with our hands for the life of the unborn from the womb to the tomb we would care for people well lord we we love you convict us of this draw us to our knees to prayer and draw us to action in whatever way you see fit. Thank you, Father, that you have so uniquely designed each one of us as individuals to be a part of your body of Christ, that you want to use us the way that you've designed us and the way that you've equipped us for your good purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together, and you move and respond as you'd like to as you feel the Lord leading. Let's pray, or let's sing.